We are looking at uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20 today as we continue the Sermon on the Mount. And we are, we are near the, the sermon, at the end of the sermon. And what you will find in these last few messages that we'll be preaching is Jesus has given the Sermon on the Mount. It has been um, world-changing in what he is saying there, uh, changing our perspective on, on what the good life is, what is the blessed life that God has called us to, the, God, the life that God approves. And he finishes by saying, no, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. And so last week we talked about Jesus saying there were two roads, and either you were on the narrow road, which was leading to life, and the entrance to that road was, was a narrow entrance as well, a small entrance, and that is Jesus himself. The only way to, to have the real life that is talked about by Jesus, to enter into the kingdom of God, requires that you can only go through Jesus. And he is going to, to be the way to God. Uh, he is the way to life. But he says also there are those who aren't on that road. And so if you, if you don't distinctly know, if you can't say, oh, I know I am on the narrow road because I have given, uh, this as we say, take my life. If you can't sing that song and, and be genuine, then you are on the broad road, the road that leads to destruction and death. And so Jesus, Jesus is finishing the sermon by saying, like, very pointedly, you have to make a decision. You have to either be on the narrow road or you are on the broad road that leads to destruction, and you need to come to the narrow road. So with that in mind, these are, those are the previous uh, words right before this. So with that in mind, listen to these words. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So did you get it? So Jesus is saying there are two ways. And then he launches into, but beware. This, this idea of being aware is like, look out, because this is going to happen. This is happening. So for us believers today, you need to know this. There are, there are false prophets. There are false prophets. They're here today. They're all around us. So he's saying, you gotta be able to spot them. You have to be able to spot them because they are intentionally uh, duplicious. They are, they are wolves who put on the coat uh, of someone else that looks like them and is within them. It's hard to detect them. So you need to know, beware because they are here and they are among us. Uh, <laughs> right? The intention of these false teachers is they, they intend to be deceptive. And Jesus is telling us to beware of them because, as we'll see at the end, there is real danger in following them. Now, 
for, for your Christian, your average Christian, we aren't going to stomach kind of a, a blatant uh, encouragement to sin. Like if someone gets up and preaches or teaches in your Sunday school class and tell you all the, thi- all, all the things against the Ten Commandments, you're going to go, God, no, no, that. what are you talking about, right? So the, the teaching is not blatantly like that. It wouldn't get much of a hearing. It's much more subtle. And so we have to be careful about what we listen to and whom we listen to. The, this kind, these kinds of wolves, they have all the trappings of a good shepherd. You'll see them maybe even preaching in a large setting, like lots of sheep. And so you think, if so many people will, are listening to them, certainly there's something to that, right? As you listen to them, they're easy to listen to. And oftentimes they're easy to look at. That's why you know I'm not a false teacher. (laughs) You'll listen to them and you'll find them also very helpful in many regards. Like you go, well, I listened to what they said and I did what they said and things were better. My marriage got better. I'm more encouraged. I took that job. I spoke to. I spoke with with uh, with faithfulness. I prayed in a certain way. You listen to them, and you experience moments of happiness. You you have a hope that things are going to get better. You see pay, positive changes in your life, and you say, "This, the proof is in the pudding. Like it's there." You keep listening to them. They're they're helpful. But church, there are false teachers out there. This is a fact, so be on guard. My question to you today, I'll give you just a second. You don't, don't say their names out loud. <laughs> but can you, do you know any false teachers? Can you picture them right now? If you can't, you really need to listen. These, these false teachers hang out by the narrow gate. They are looking to lure those who are seeking. So if that be the case, Jesus is so good to us because he wants us to recognize. How do you recognize then a false teacher? How do you recognize false teachers? Let's look at several things. Jesus says there are two kinds of trees. There are good teachers. They are healthy trees, and the result of their teaching and in their life is that they bear good fruit. There's also false teachers. These are diseased trees, and they bear diseased fruit. So Jesus is telling us, check the tree and see its fruit. It's not that difficult. Watch, first thing is, watch how they handle the word of God. If you want to find out if someone's a false teacher, watch how they use the word of God. If they use bits and pieces of the scriptures to support their point, then they are most likely a false teacher, which means if they have some ideas they're going to share with you, and then they go back and find a scripture that supports it, be careful, you're probably listening to a false teacher. 
as opposed to someone who is going through the scriptures and bringing applications from the scriptures. So be careful of those who have some ideas they want to share with you and kind of almost, uh, it's like quoting a famous person, they will add in the scriptures to kind of uh, give strength to their point. But it's not from any kind of systematic theology, understanding the big gospel message. You might be a false prophet if (laughs) you have little regard for orthodoxy. Orthodoxy means right believing, a right right theology, a right understanding. And so when we even say the word orthodoxy, there are many of us who are just going to go, oh, that sounds boring, right? And so that is actually a, a teaching of false teachers, that orthodoxy is old, Orthodoxy is not current. It's not fresh. If you hear someone who is always fresh with a constant negative attitude towards traditional belief and doing things a new way, take another look. This can be the attitude of a false teacher. There are orthodox beliefs in the Bible. God as creator, man by his nature is sinful and fallen from God. That's a big one. Man is sinful. You and I are sinful. And a few women are sinful (laughs) and fallen from God. We are naturally going to think and do the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Jesus' role is as Savior and Redeemer, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God in three persons, that God is going to judge and judges now, that the word of God is inspired by him, spoken uh, through the Holy Spirit, and it is reliable. And many false prophets look at those statements and those thoughts and they deem them as either worn out, boring, or missing the point of religion altogether. Oftentimes, The trappings of their presentations feel as current as your newsfeed. They've got a cool blue light on their face. Not all people who have blue lights are false prophets, by the way. Just most of them. (laughs) Sam, don't 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 get any blue lights. Just kidding. Whereas, you know, the value of orthodoxy is that it hasn't changed. G.K. Chesterton, who was writing uh, at the same time, uh, English guy as as, as C.S. Lewis, one of our favorite guys to quote, says this. He says, people have fallen into a foolish habit of speaking of orthodoxy as something heavy, humdrum. You can tell he's English, right? Heavy, humdrum, and safe. There was nothing, there, there was, there never was anything so perilous or so exciting as orthodoxy. It was sanity. And to be sane is more dramatic than to be mad. Orthodoxy is important, valuable, and it is not humdrum. You might be a false prophet if you don't give the whole counsel of the Bible. You just choose bits and pieces to emphasize. The second thing is uh, watch how they handle the word. The, second, uh, the first is watch how they handle the word. The second is they always say what you want to hear. 
They are wolf and sheep's clothing. They move in and among us. Their words are oftentimes comforting, reassuring. They are nice, attractive, enjoyable. Paul says that, that there will be those who come and teach and they will, be, they will listen, be listened to by those who have itching ears. They want to hear. They, they want to be comforted. They want that relief. If you ever worn a helmet and you have an itchy eye, oh my gosh, there's nothing so nice. If you hear a noted celebrity say, I really like what that person has to say, that teacher, be careful. <laughs> because if someone who is not a Christian enjoys what's being said, they have not run into the cross of Jesus. Because the cross of Jesus assumes and speaks to the fact that we are sinful, that, that sin is so bad that God had to send his only begotten son into the world. If you hear someone say, I don't like the bloodiness of Christianity, then they don't know, they have not accepted, they, they are following after a, a false understanding. Because it is the bloodiness of Christianity that has brought us life. And that God would send his only son to, to die a brutal death in order to be at peace with him. And only those who believe and who put their trust and their life in him will enter through the narrow door and walk the narrow way. No one else will receive the benefit of that good work. You know, the, the divine teaching, the good living, the care for the poor, all those are taught in the Bible. The, the, the care for widows, the miracles, the uh, but all of these were not meant as the end to Jesus' coming, but they were the sign that Jesus had come, that the Son of God was here. And so many false teachers will, will teach those, those other things that Jesus has accomplished as the point. That they, they, they point to Jesus as a great teacher, so we should follow him, as showing a new kind of way, so we should follow him, a care for the poor or widows, or, or because he does miracles in your lives, so follow him. But these were just signs that the Son of God had come. I don't know if you were, you were listening and, and reading along as Ashton was reading. Wasn't that a heavy scripture? Oh my gosh. That's a tough way to start out a service if you were listening. Because the people of God were receiving divine punishment in that generation because they continued to refuse to obey the law. They didn't want to know the law. They didn't want anything to do with it. And, and the teachers, the prophets were coming and they were saying, peace, peace. Did you hear that? They were saying, peace, peace. But there was no peace because they treated, oh, this is such a great phrase, they treated the wounds of the people lightly. You see, our need is far greater than just a little bandage can cover. You see, ours pierces the heart. It's at the core of who we are. It isn't so you can just be a little nicer and Jesus is going to accept you. It's not just coming to church regularly and you're okay. As we saw in Jeremiah, that you offer sacrifices. God is saying, what are these things to me? What do I need your grain for, Right? 
You need something much greater, and it comes through the Word of God. Your wound is far deeper than any little Band-Aid will cover. It pierces the heart, and it will only be changed by a Savior who comes and die on a cross for you. That is your only hope. So come to him. They treat wounds lightly. Our trouble is sin. It is the cause of suffering. It is the cause of our own suffering. It's the cause of, uh, because of the sin in the world due to the fall, our world doesn't work right. We have droughts. We have rain that's only thunder and no rain, right? Did y'all have that this week? Like, what? That's not fair. The cause of suffering is a sin of others against us. The cause of suffering is the work of Satan. So what did Jesus call us to do? For those who are, who are following in this narrow way, he isn't just giving us platitudes to how to have a better life. He's saying you need to confess your sins. Amen. You confess your sins one to another. You need to repent from what you've been doing. You need to ask forgiveness and receive forgiveness. This is, this is the way. You don't, you don't get those in little books at Walmart, you know? Little Christian books at Walmart. That's not what it's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so why did, what, how does Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is like a regular rhythm of your life. You're praying this every day, sometimes multiple times during the day. It's the way. Now, in order to do this, in, in order to uh, be able to discern, to, to listen to the teaching of these false teachers over time, you're going to have to have some theological understanding yourself. Like, you have to know what the Word of God says, what the Word of God means. You have to be a critical listener. You have to know what the truth is. That means you need to immerse yourself in the truth. You need to follow good teachers. You need to be in the Word daily on your own. You need to share that with your family. This is this is the way of the people of God. We be, ought to be able to discern. If you are early in this process, Jesus is also giving some other help to us. He says, not only do you need to have a critical ear and be able to hear what the Word of God says, and when you hear something different, you can go, uh-uh, that doesn't sound right. Hold on. Let's ask some more questions here and find out what's really happening. He's saying, check the fruits. You can check the tree, but also check the fruits, and you can see what is coming from this. So how do you check the fruits? You can check the fruits by looking at the lives of those false teachers. What is their motivation? There, there can be false fruit as well. Like what we would normally think about as fruit is like are a lot of people, success would be like a lot of people are listening. That, that's, that can be false fruit. Sometimes that's a fruit of a false prophet. Like a lot of people like hearing that. There's a reason, right? Another false fruit can be style over substance, popularity. So you have to ask, as you look at that person who's preaching, what is their motivation? Are they doing it for money, for power, for prestige? Sometimes it takes a while to see. 
rather than are you seeing from them the fruit of the Spirit? Can you observe in their life love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? So um, in a few weeks, uh, I guess a couple months actually, we'll be back in Kenya and uh, we are going to graduate three classes. The last class, week-long class each of them goes through is one on worship. And what we do in worship is we look at the history of worship from the Old Testament, New Testament, and then even uh, present day into uh, on the American side, our side, which really fouled things up, and then we exported it around the world. <laughs> right? Thank you. We, we, we sent some good stuff, but we also sent some real trash. And so as you look through that, you can see false teachers all throughout American history, uh, mixed among some good teachers. So like you see in the first great awakening, you have these, these great preachers who are preaching the gospel and many people are coming to faith, but you're also seeing this kind of liberalism in the Northeast and this humanism that's creeping into the church as well. And so as you see those things creep into the church, then actually evangelism slows down in areas. Other people think that in order to be saved, you must look to yourself and you must be a better person. That really, Jesus didn't come as Savior for the world in the sense that he needed to die, but he's going to make us better people. So be better people. So there's kind of a moralism that grew up from that as well. You look into the second great awakening, you see that now, although many people are coming to faith, they're starting to use the use of means for salvation, which means by any means possible, get people saved. And so there's this manipulation of people with not, not, not sharing the gospel, but, but causing, people, causing fear, undue fear, and doing whatever you can to get people saved. Devoid of the gospel. I mean, church history is full of it. From, that's why we have the Reformation as a Catholic church. One of the main concerns about the Catholic church was the selling of indulgences for the, the value, for the, the, for the uh, growth of the church. The Reformation, American history. Then you, you move to Azusa Street in 1906, the birth of Pentecostalism. And, and although there are some great things that happen in terms of salvations, but you also, if you look at the fruit of that, you see uh, among the leaders in Azusa Street, them falling apart and disunity and lawsuits and trouble. And you say that, that there's some bad fruit born of these things. So all of, the, all of that background leads us today as we move forward. And, and so now one of the popular things is the, the, the health and wealth gospel and, and self-actualization. How can you be a better person? All those things and a rabid kind of Pentecostalism that focuses almost solely on the spirit and has lost, lost sight of Jesus' teachings. So now that's all around us and it's exported out from us to other places. Brothers and sisters, we need to look out for false prophets. Amen. They're everywhere. What are some of the practices today? Of, well, you, if you turn on the TV, you'll see uh, pastors 
teaching on how to be this better, have this better version of yourself. But Jesus says, look for the fruit. Watch for the fruit in the individual. What kind of character do they have? Look at the teachings they have. Does it follow the scriptures? Watch the fruit of the followers of these people. And these people, as, as they listen to this self-actualizing, God really just wants you to be a better kind of person. They, they have no vision. They have no vision for what the long story is of God's judgment that is to come. They have no good answer in the midst of troubles. They don't know how to suffer well. They have no place to stand in the midst of trouble, no understanding of what the real good life is, the blessed life that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes. Jesus says, those who are going to be greatest in the kingdom must be a servant of all. He says, of the rich, those who are very successful, it is harder for them to enter in the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Watch the fruit of the followers. What is, if you believe those things, what is the nth degree? What happens is they turn to themselves. There's disunity. Paul noticed that that was happening in the church and he called it gangrene as the members of the body were decaying in their presence, kills the spiritual vitality of the members, and they do not bear spiritual fruit of the Spirit. So you look at the followers, those who are, who are taking in this teaching of the false teachers, are they, are they continually looking more and more like Jesus? Or are they just looking like a better version of themselves? These false teachers take followers down a path away from the gospel. Now, as an aside, we also need to be careful not to make a hobby of heresy hunting. Church, all right? This is where we have to be a little more concerned, right? Many of us have gone down those YouTube videos and looked at all of these terrible things, and they take a, a little snippet of what somebody said, and they say, see? So be careful. Be careful that you don't get so excited. You know, and there's a, there's a, a kind of uh, personality, uh, more of a, even the prophetic kind of people that are like, look at that, like, man, I'm going to find out who that is. We're going to get them. Be careful of making a hobby of heresy hunting. They're there. But this is not the Spanish Inquisition. So this is what we hope to see at Redeemer. This is what you should hear. You will hear us preaching against false prophets. But you won't hear us preaching about false prophets every Sunday. And Paul's prophets are saying these things today. They are saying, Jesus has come to make your life better. He's not come to make your life better. He's come to save you and probably make your life more difficult. Here's another false, false message from false prophets that the goal 
of the Christian life is to experience the power of God. That's not the goal. Do we experience the power of God? Yes. But it's not the goal to experience the power of God. If it is the goal, that means in worship, that the goal here is to experience the power of God. It is not. It is for us to commune together, to sing to each other, to sing to God, to lift up his name, to worship him, not to experience his power. There's a difference. False message. Jesus wants to love and wants us to love and accept others no matter what their belief, lifestyle, practice. This is, this is a slight of teaching. Are we to love all people? Yes. But that does not mean that they are acceptable as they are as God, to, to God. They lack a clear picture who, who God is. He is one who loves, but he is also one who judges. It does matter what you believe. It does matter your lifestyle. It does matter how you practice. So the false teaching says we, we should accept as is without speaking of God's judgment. We are to love despite the sin. But it isn't loving for us to say it's all right to continue in the sin. Finally, a false message. I'm good, and that's what God wants from me. I am nicer than most people. That's a false message. That's not what God wants from you to be nice. He knows that you are not nice. And if you spend some time, you realize you're not nice, and that you need a Savior to give you a new life, transform you. I also want to encourage you in this. Oftentimes, we can be our own worst false teachers. <laughs> so I want you to examine that voice inside of you that has you doing all kinds of things and apply these principles to yourself as well. What am I listening to? What am I believing? What is the root of the situation that's bearing this kind of fruit? Is it true? Finally, Jesus says that there will be judgment there will be judgment for false prophets and those who follow the false prophets. And they will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Whoa. Jesus is saying this is important for us to listen to today because it has eternal consequences. So brothers and sisters, I, this is a sobering word from our Lord today Amen. to be careful it's not good enough just to follow along with the crowd even the religious crowd without asking some questions and to see are these true teachings are these true teachers they're probably not going to be with the most people they're probably not going to be the slickest they're going to make you feel uncomfortable these are marks of someone who's not a false teacher. So let us continue to follow after our Lord as he has presented in his word, to know him, to grow in his teachings, in his way, to know the gospel, and to live the gospel.
Amen.